Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12. And the best business phone service is chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business to get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, EMAS, all for a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit Nextiva.com slash 12pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12pack. To get started. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new game. Yes, it is. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta-ranked college football statistical model, and this is a Sharp College Football Podcast. This is Brian Conger. My apologies for the sound quality. I'm, I'm recording. I'm, I'm in Atlanta. I'm in Hotlanta today doing some traveling, but that will not stop us from recording our Pac-12 spring questions, and I'm joined, as always, by Rob Bowron, and we have two fascinating teams on deck today and some transfer portal news which will likely continue until eternity uh how are you rob how are you doing how's your week been i'm good i'm good like i'm, I'm behind again on the previews i need to get texas a&m out the door and that'll give me an even 20 but i'm hopeful to get to that tomorrow i'm excited to hear your take on their offense <laughs> the jimbo fisher yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like uh i think People assume, I mean, because like Jimbo Fisher, I mean, the, you know, he, he had the national title with Florida State. I think people assume that he is a really, really good offensive coordinator, but he's never had an offense anywhere near like the offenses that we saw from like 2017 forward. Um, so I'm a little skeptical that you can eat like, I don't care how many five stars Jimbo has on his, his roster that Jimbo is going to put up like an offense that could hang with like. Ohio state, or if Alabama gets it going again on offense, um, or if like, you know, Sark were to really get it going at Texas. Like I just, I don't, I don't think he's that kind of play caller. That makes me happy. Very happy. (laughs) (laughs) And they got a, I mean, they got DJ Dirk and a defensive coordinator replacing Mike Elko. Uh, Yeah. Mike Elko jumped on the Duke grenade. Uh. (laughs) Taking one for college football. (laughs) Well, that that is neither here nor there, although it will be important as we move forward into the regular season. You know, I'm just curious to see if any of the Pac-12 teams can uh, compete for a playoff spot. And one of those teams is one of the ones we're going to be previewing today, which is Utah. We're going to do Utah and California, uh, Utah and Colorado. My apologies, Cal fans. You're going to be last. You're going to be last. Uh, Utah and and, uh, Colorado. And but before we get into that, Rob, there's a little bit of news uh, to come through. We have a little bit of stuff coming out of the transfer portal. Anything you want to highlight here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the big news, the, I would say the big news is USC getting the the corner from Washington Covington. 
Not, I mean, you know, not necessarily a pickup that I think that it was, you know, was, uh, wild like anybody was wildly competing for but you know i believe the former four star hadn't really i mean and it's i mean i i was we should i mean washington secondary remained very very good last year two draft picks two high draft picks um i but i you know what i like about this um is i guess i would say that i when i when we think about like what usc is doing is they are really in a lot of cases like just taking on as many chances as they can to potentially get good players right i mean it is a little bit of the shotgun approach like i i'm going to throw throw things against the wall and see if anybody works out um but they had so many problems last season particularly on defense like i appreciate that they are um, aggressively going out and and trying to find players who at least had some initial talent that you know people liked and and seeing if they can get them to work out. Yeah, and if you're a USC fan, one of the things that I really uh, found helpful was when uh, Bud Elliott did some studies on how did if you're a new coach, how good is that first recruiting class that you have, and it's almost always terrible. So yeah. it's it's almost better for you to go into the transfer portal, try to pull in some players that have shown an ability to produce on the field. And if for USC, you kind of have a pick, you know, not the pick of the litter, but you have a pretty solid brand that you're able to pull players in. So I'm with you. I think it's, it's fascinating. Jacoby Covington. I remember when he committed to Washington, I was really excited about it. I know he's seen the field a little bit, but certainly wasn't um, a, a breakout player but he can be, and, you know, like, or at least he has the potential to, we'll see what he's able to do at that US and USC. If they're, if they're going to need to bring in transfers, it's going to need to be on defense because that is still the biggest problem uh, for that team to get to the next level. Um, you know, additionally in the transfer portal, I thought it was interesting that Cal got Spencer Lavelle, who was the, um, uh, the, uh, um, the offensive tackle, for ASU. So I thought that was interesting. Cal certainly needs to beef up that line. And I know Lavelle was in the two deep um, in spring trying to break through. So it's possible that he might not have gotten that, you know, first starting position and maybe goes to Cal. So it's nice to see Cal get a little bit more depth on that front. They got to do a, um, uh, Isabor, who was uh, an edge rusher for UCLA that was slated to see some time. So I, I thought Cal actually over the last couple um, you know, days have been, I'm, I'm hesitant on Cal and we'll get to them when we preview them, but yeah, I I'm, I'm more encouraged that they're trying to fill some holes that they might not have been able to do on the recruiting trail, um, by recruiting in the transfer portal. And, you know, like I think Cal's interesting. I think they could be a, a bowl team this coming year, maybe not a great bowl team, but a bowl team. And, uh, they're going to need to pick up some players like this in order to get to that level. Yeah. I mean, Cal, I mean, they're, they're going to need some upgrades of talent. Right. And, um, I thought, and I think too, I mean, Cal for, for what they had, like for what is often a difficult, I mean, Cal can have difficulty as well as Stanford getting players in, um, you know, they they haven't been, you know, and you could say this is maybe to Will Cox's credit. They haven't been aggressive. Like they haven't had a lot of turnover of players transferring out. They So they have a limited number of roster spots that they potentially would be able to to put transfers in anyway. Um, so, yeah, like I, I think it's, it's good. And really, too, I mean, like teams should be I don't want to sound like I'm insulting the players still on the portal, but like the fact like this year in particular, because of, you know, the additional year of covid eligibility 
and the fact that it is for the most part players this is the first year that you know where players are doing you know their first transfer right after this there will be a significant number of players on rosters who have already used their first transfer <laughs> so they're they're not going to have a free transfer after that they would have a penalty so we're, we've seen a lot more transfers this season guys entering the portal if you have any additional roster spots available um, and it looks like the NCAA rules committee might be eliminating the 25 man roster rule, um, at least or removing it for, you know, two years. Um, and the only thing you have to do is hit that 85 roster um, uh, limit for scholarships. Teams should be going through and picking through and seeing what they can get, because there are some guys in there that may not be starters, but are definitely depth. Um you know, that are, have transferred from other programs. So I, you know, looking, you know, yeah, they're looking for like where they may have been pushed out the door or, you know, but like if you're Cal and you're getting somebody off of like, what was a pretty decent offensive line too deep for ASU last year? That's a win. Yeah, that's a big pickup. And I think one of the things that as you think through every preview that I've heard, you know, of, of teams looking at, oh, well, we'll, we'll get a tackle in the transfer portal. Yeah. We'll get freaking luck with that. So Cal actually did. So, you know, right. it's nice to be able to see uh, Pac-12 teams scoop up some of those players. You know, like, Rob, one of the teams that, and, and there really isn't that much more news on the transfer portal front, but as we're looking through our spring questions, I think it's time to talk about the, um, on paper, the team that is not the favorite to win the Pac-12, and that's the Utah Utes, which I think is bonkers. So it's funny. There's a tweet that went out. It was the um, it was the Pac-12 um, odds for winning the conference. And yeah, I saw that. That was yeah, like from was it from Bet Online? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Bet Online. And unfortunately, I'm not a member of that one because I would have swooped it up. Um, but it was funny because my attention immediately went to the 33 to one chances for Washington State. And yeah. I think that's, I mean, look, I think it probably should be 20 to one, but like if you're going to simulate um, the conference 20 times, given all the coaching changes, I thought that was, uh, you know, a little bit interesting, but really the interesting one was Utah at five to one. I mean, like Utah should be the outright favorite to win the PAC 12 and yeah. they return a taunt. Like, you know, as I was going through the depth chart here, I mean, I have some questions, but you know, you just did the preview on the Utes. You know, what stood out to you in terms of uh, why you're bullish on them winning the conference the second time in a row? I'm sh I was shocked that people are this high on USC because I mean, simply because I mean, because of all the questions we have on defense, right? Um, they are still going to have to gel on the offensive line, um, but Utah return. I mean, like basically the the biggest problems that Utah has is that they had a linebacker drafted in the first round, <laughs> you know, and like, I'm sorry, but how many years in a row? And this is the part where I feel like with people, I'm like, guys, like you got to pay attention to the Utes because you know, like, look, there's, I think arguably their defensive line has fallen off from where they were a couple of years ago. They're not, they're not producing, you know, day one, day two draft picks on the defensive line right now. Um, but how many years in a row have we talked about and said like, oh, you know, has, does Utah really, you know, like they're losing this great player that, you know, was a, a real standout. There was often some like safety that they had converted and brought down to linebacker. Um, and what are they going to do? And they are, they've always been fine. Like, I think the coat, like, I think we, at, like at, at this point, if there's anything that I have a ton of faith in this Utah staff at, it's like whomever they plug in at linebacker is going to be fine. And then they have, 
I mean, uh, and we'll cover this, right? But they have the Florida transfer coming in. They have Calvert and Barton, who were two top 10 linebackers when they signed them. Like, I think they're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, and they've got Clark Phillips. Like, I think this defense is going to be pretty good. They got both coordinators coming back and the quarterback. Like, how are people not talking more about the Utes? Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I think the defense is going to be solid. And one of the things that we've talked about is the in, the interior defensive line. But they do have like a freshman All-American. I mean, I'm sorry, a Pac-12 freshman um, uh, there. So, like, you know, they, they, I, they over time they've been able to develop talent. I agree with you that they've fallen off. Um, but it's still a, a pretty solid defensive line. Even like I would say they've fallen off by Utah standards, right? We were so used to, holy Moses, this team is going to like road, you know, road grade you. And now it's just pretty good. And so I'm curious to see what happens there. But, you know, on the offensive side, here's my one contrary take. And I don't think like I'm, I'm more just throwing this out there. I don't I don't believe it. I think Cam Rising is going to be really strong. But it does remind me a little bit of. Um, quarterbacks that get that late start and then teams have to game plan and catch up to what the tendencies are. So I know Cam Rising had a great year and like the team was just so different from when he took that position to when um, and, and like the, you just that you could just draw a straight line to the trajectory that they ended up winning the Pac-12 title because he ended up filling that spot. I guess like one question I have for you, Rob, and I have this one of my spring questions is, are we going to see decreased production from him given that there's tape out and you have a whole year to game plan for him? Is that, is that something that should be a worry or do you think he's just going to continue to cruise? I, I think part of it is that they, I, I do think that Ludwig does a really good job scheming to what talent he has available. Right. And I mean, we'll, you know, we talk about, I mean, how many teams will you see run like a tight end end around? <laughs> You know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like Utah does. Uh, and, and I think, I think what rise, the dimension that rising adds, and I, I think Pete, like, and I want to say this cause I don't want to take away from, I don't want to take away from what he is as a quarterback, but like the dimension that rising really adds to that offense is as a runner. And I say this is, and I'm going to say this cause like, you remember years ago when Khalil Tate suddenly burst onto the scene and people are like, no, he's such a better passer than Brandon Dawkins. I'm like, guys, <laughs> like Khalil Tate is such an amazing runner. The teams are stacking the box and those suddenly become really easy throws. Um, and I think that's somewhat true of rising, like rising what he added, um, you know, versus the other QBs they've had on the roster is like a really easy, really, really strong runner, which combined with what Ludwig is already scheming within the running game. And sometimes, it, I mean, Ludwig sometimes looks the, when they line up a bit like a flex bone, like you might see out of air force or something like that. Like, I think you break, like, because he brings that dimension it is, it does open up the passing game for big plays because all of a sudden teams are really keying in on the run game. And I think they're largely going to be fine there. Um, you know, yes, you could try to game plan for rising more, but I mean, I don't think, I mean, I think if you really key on key in on rising, I think they're going to hurt you in other places running the football. Um, and if you're keying in on him trying to take away the run, like then, you know, he's going to hit you, you know, with some like with, I mean, like where they really were killing you, uh, say Oregon in those two games last year, which was, you know, like bend and seam routes to the tight ends. Um, 
you know, like in single coverage because they were really loading up the box. Yeah, and by the way, they have continued to recruit exceptionally well, not only in the transfer portal, but just straight up in terms of getting running backs in the door. So, I mean, you're going to have Rising that's able to run, but uh, Jalen Glover, who's the four-star freshman they signed, they really like him. And if you combine him with Tavian Thomas and Micah, Michael, uh, Micah Bernard, Chris Curry, the transfer, I mean, like, <laughs> they're they're going to have the running games like set yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I have a couple other questions about the offense, but what what else popped out for you as a question heading into the spring? I mean, I think I mean I it is interesting because I think a lot of like and and you and I could both it's like for Utah to break through right and and I say this is like breakthrough into maybe being because I haven't projected at number eight for them to break through to the point where you could maybe talk about them as a top five team, they're going to have that offense is going to have to get even better. I mean, and this was a pretty good offense last season, but I think in order for them to get there, they'd have to get more out of the wide receivers. Like they do. I mean, like, I mean like Utah, I don't think is going to, I don't think Utah is suddenly going to become like 2019 Ohio state where they have, where they, where they have a great game, you know, they have a great quarterback and throw the football all around, but they have a running game that grades out like a service academy. (laughs) I don't think Utah can quite get there. Um, And so like that, that is, I think a little bit of a question, right? Is like, what are they going to get out of the wide receivers? Right. And do they be like, and do they become filler? Like, I think one of the things that Utah was wide receivers do well is blocking. And I don't want to take that away because like that often is what can spring you know, an outside run. Um, but our, and it, I mean, you and I have had this conversation many a time. <laughs> like, what are we going to get out of Utah's wide receivers this year? I think in this case, right. If you wanted to sort of like, say like, they're going to beat where we have them projected or, you know, it, it, they are going to have to have somebody step up and be a bit more of a threat outside because that would really open up the field for them. Yeah. And again, you take a look at the roster, Solomon Ennis, like how long have we seen his name on the roster and not produce at a high level? Uh, they have Devon Vele. They have, I mean, Money Parks, who's interesting, but I just don't see it. I don't. I, I mean, th- they're going to get, they're going to hit Brant Keithy for like the seventh year in a row. And he's going to be awesome. Yeah. And they're going to run for a thousand, you know, 1500, 2000. I mean, like th- that, I mean, the offense is going to be good. But I just don't, I still don't see the great um, on the outside. I mean, it was it two years ago where they like had the fewest passes to the outside period. I mean, like, in, like all of football, I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Um, I, but, but with that said, I still think that they have an offense that can win the pac 12. It's just, I guess right. it's what you're saying. Like, do they have an offense that can get a playoff ticket? Yeah. I mean, I think they could, I mean, I think Utah is like, if you're looking at teams right outside of Ohio state and Bama, right. And you know, like I, I'm, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to really project that the SEC would get two teams again in again next year. Utah's gotta be one of your teams you're looking at as potentially making a run at a playoff spot, right? Like the PAC 12 was so bad last year. They don't project to be overwhelmingly good again. Um, and Utah does i mean they finished out the last season incredibly strong um and so i think you kind of go you kind of go through and you're you know like they're they're a team you could see getting there but you don't want i mean i don't want i mean i want utah making the playoff would be amazing (laughs) like amazing 
it, regardless if they get blown out because lots of teams have gone to the playoff and gotten smoked. <laughs> um, but you'd want, I mean, like if you're going like in your Utah, like you'd want to be able to put up more of a showing, right? Like you don't want to be like Cincinnati where it's pretty obvious you're outclassed, right? Like, and I, I mean, I don't think, you know, I, I think if you're a Utah fan, like you're hoping like the, the deciding factor on whether you could show up and really be able to, to hang um, you know, if like you were a four seed or a three seed is, is the, the, is the wide receiver play. You're going to need some guys that can really make plays. Yeah. To your point. I mean, like look at Michigan last year, Yeah, right? Michigan was basically Utah. I mean, like Utah's quarterback was better, but I mean, I would, I would argue that Michigan's defense was better and they ran the ball and like, you could just, you watch that game. You're like, yep, you, there's no hope. <laughs> like this game, yeah. this game is over. Like as you're watching it, uh, you know what? We'll, we'll see. I, I just one day and, and like there is hope because for years I was saying like one day Utah is going to throw the football and they're going to break through. And they did. And it's a total credit to Kyle Whittingham to be able to cycle through offensive coordinators till he got it right. Um, I have less hope in the the wide receivers because throughout that and with Andy Ludwig, you still don't have the wide receiving production. But I do think that this offense is good enough for them to get to the playoff. Um, I think their schedule is interesting, right? If they if they beat Florida and and they do a, a good job in the Pac-12, let's say they lose one game, they're 100% in the running. And yeah. that defense is going to be good enough. And like you mentioned, they have the narrative from the past year. I think what got Cincinnati in this year was the fact that Cincinnati was good the previous year. It's unfair as that is. Like, I think that's the same right. for Utah. I think well, I mean, it, for Cincinnati, too. I mean, the fact that, like, there were no other. I mean, Cincinnati went undefeated in a year where, you know, Utah is your Pac-12 champion. They got a couple losses. Clemson. I mean, like nose dives. Who's I mean, Pitt was the ACC champion. Couple losses. Um, you know, you're looking. I mean, you're just kind of looking around, and there's just not. I mean, and uh, you're not finding. I mean, you know, that was that. That was the. I mean, like that was the year for Cincinnati to really like step forward because there wasn't another obvious Power Five team to take their spot. Um, for Utah, right? Like, I don't know. That I mean. I wouldn't bet on, I, I just, I'm not like Clemson is a big question mark. <laughs> they got two new coordinators. Dabo has almost never had to deal with coordinator <laughs> turnover. Right. Um, and then really too, I mean, like, I think Oklahoma is going to be better than a lot of people think, but I would hesitate to like talk about them really as like a playoff contender. Like the road is open, you know, like for the Utes, like, <clears throat> If they if they can get uh, up there with just one loss, they're going to get in. They get in ahead of an undefeated Group Five team, right? Like, and to, but to your point, right? Like the fact that they've been consistently good, that they were so good to finish out last year, I think that would help a lot, oh, um, too. And I I think I mean, you know, it's almost like we're talking down to this offense. This offense is a B B plus. Yeah, yeah, and, and that which is great. Like if we're, if, if I were to say that three years ago for Utah, I would have punched myself in the face. Say, How dare you? This, this, right, like, what, like, this is really exciting. That like, Brian went to the dentist's office today and they gave him a lot of painkillers. <laughs> like, now he's doing the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm really, I'm, I'm very bullish on this team. 
Um, well, I mean, there, there wasn't, I mean, like for, for truth be told, like there wasn't an A plus offense in college football last season. Like you could give Ohio state an A, but there were no A pluses. Um, and Utah is, you know, like they were a really good offense last year, you know, in a year for down offenses. So like, I, I look, I think this Utah team can be better offensively, right? Like, I think if you look at the component parts and what they're bringing back, like, I think they could be better than they were last year, you know, but I still think there's a, I still think there's a cap and that's where like with Utah, like, yeah, I mean, if they could unlock, I mean, if just one of these guys, you don't have to be like. I mean, it'd be nice if somebody could be like a reliable possession receiver, but if somebody could be a deep threat, oh my goodness, like with the way that they are able to run the ball, if you could mix in, you know, like somebody that was an actual one-on-one deep threat that could also potentially take the top off the offense, you could put up huge numbers. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited. You know, as we flip over to the defense, is there... I mean, I have questions. They're not big questions, but like, I'm I'm just curious what stepped out, uh, what stood out for you. I think, I mean, like my biggest questions on the defense, oddly enough, like I know everybody's going to, again, like we talked about, like focusing on the linebacker. I think my biggest questions for this Utah defense are really around getting after the, the quarterback and, and, and stopping the run at the point of attack, not just having the linebackers coming in. Um, they just haven't had... They haven't had anybody, whether it's a defensive tackle or, you know, an end that's really, really been a, I mean, to be frank, like a pro prospect, even like a game changer at the college level, you know, like last season, you know, they were good against the run. A lot of it was coming out of the linebacking core. Um, They were at number six in effective rush, but they were only 34 in effective pass. And that's with Clark Phillips, who is really good. But that tells you something, right? Like who's lining up with Phillips? That's a question. Are they going to be able to generate enough pass rush? That's another question, right? Like those are my real questions for Utah. Yeah, it's so funny because we have like on our spreadsheet, we have like players that are for sure going to be, you know, in the starting positions. So very, very likely, you know, Junior Tafua, who was the Pac-12 freshman All-American, Devin Kafusi, Van Fillinger, um, like those are pretty much etched in stone as the starters uh, on the defensive line for Utah. Um, and I have more questions about them that I have of the linebacking core. And I have no, no players penciled in, right? I have, yeah. <laughs> like Lander, Lander Barton, like you mentioned, the Florida transfer, Muhammad uh, Diabate, uh, Gabe Reed transfer from Stanford. They have Josh yeah. Calvert. Like, but the thing, the thing with them is like, they have the Calvert brothers. They've Ethan and Josh. Like I, I am just, like I, I'm done questioning the linebacking core. Like we, we stopped doing that about two years ago. Cause we're like, you know right. what? It's just going to work. It's just like, right. it's, it's just gonna <laughs> whoever, whoever drops down from whoever dropped down from safety last year and played backup, they will now start. We'll be fine. <laughs> like, yeah. and, but now and, they've recar- re- recruited actual linebackers in that have the speed. I think they want to play linebacker. The one thing that's interesting to me is that, and I forget if it's the linebacker coach or I have to take a look at this. One of the defensive uh, main coaches for Utah just went over to USC. Uh, and that's interesting. I think it was the defensive line coach. I'll have to double check on that. Uh, it's just something to flag. I mean, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll report back on that uh, next week because I, I, I just totally forgot which coach it was. But I just remember looking at it going like, huh, that that could be a problem. Like, Because you take a look at what happened to Stanford once they lost their position coaches that were like out of this world excellent. You really did see a drop off. Um, Oh it, yeah. Yeah. It, I, like it's suddenly the defensive coordinator was not 
very good. <laughs> exactly. I know. So I'm just, you know, that's just one, one uh, pause button on that front. And but like my biggest question to, to, and you had mentioned this, Rob is the secondary. They have Clark Phillips and Cole Bishop penciled in, but who's that free safety? Who do they got at cornerback, the, the second corner and who they have at nickel. Um, usually the secondary is pretty good, but at 34, I just, you know, like, I, I think it's, I think that should be an area of focus headed into fall camp. Yeah. I mean, that's the, and this is, I mean, like scale, you know, Scally has a, a, you know, as a safeties coach has a pretty good, I mean, reputation. I mean, um, you know, for the, you know, that there, but I gotta be honest, like outside of, outside of Phillips, I'm not sold on a lot of the guys that they have in the secondary. Like they're all right they're nowhere near as good as Phillips and they're not like the kind of, I mean, outside of Phillips, I don't know that you're going to like right now. I don't know that any of these guys you would pencil in. Um, and Utah's had some, some guys drafted out of the secondary pretty high in the last couple seasons. Um, I'm not, I don't know outside of Phillips, if you'd have anybody penciled in as a potential draft pick. Um, and that's something they're really going to have to work on, I think. Cause look, I mean like the, the PAC 12 was really down last year. Um, but there's some danger. There's some teams that might be pretty dangerous throwing the football this next year, right? Like that weren't able to exploit the Utes last season. Um, like USC, I mean, like USC, <laughs> like Washington state, you know, like, um, teams that just might like, like we thought, like just might be better at throwing the football around and you're going to like, I think, you know, like people shouldn't overlook. I mean, I, I, don't love the defensive coordinator hire, but people shouldn't overlook UCLA, you know, like they're, they should be pretty good again. Like Utah isn't going to be so good. And this is an important thing when we talk, like we talk about with getting to one loss, you know, or zero losses, you got to really be good enough to win on your off nights. That's where this Utah secondary and like pass rush worry me is like, man, like against the wrong team. If the Utes have a bad night, like they're going to lose. Yeah, and if you're a Ute fan, like you're saying, well, yeah, whatever, man, our, our coaching staff is awesome, and, and you're right. But, but you know, it also matters who you have on the field, and I'm just, I guess what I guess what we're saying is, like, keep a look at that. You know, as we move into fall, it's, it's an area of concern, but, like, the area of concern for Utah is certainly not the area of concern for, like, any position at Colorado. <laughs> so, like, you yeah, know, just, uh, no, Utah, it's, like... I mean, I think I think for the Utes, it is like there there is some legitimate concern in that pass defense, but that's truly like I mean, that's my only real concern. If you were to talk about them winning the Pac-12, like the wide receiver thing is like if I saw the Utes in a playoff game, if I want them to win a Rose Bowl, you know, like that kind of thing, that question becomes into play. But like they should be able to, with that offense the way it's constructed, win the Pac-12. Oh, totally agree. Um, Rob, let's go from a team that we feel might be a playoff contender to a team that has no shot at being a playoff contender. <laughs> let's talk about the Colorado Buffs right after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of the uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 510 is declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, we're back. And we're we're reaching deep. We're going down into that well. We're sifting through, you know, the the the, the rocks that have the moss on them kind of wiping off that grime and we're getting into Colorado football and you know, Rob, you, you took one for the team here. You did the depth chart for Colorado and I'm looking up and down here. Uh, you know, my first question is I can't believe Jalen Sammy is still on this team. Um, but outside of that and a few names on here, like Terrence Lang, I don't know most of these names. No, I, mean, I know. It's like pretty bad. <laughs> it was, I'm, um, I mean, I will confess to being like, as I was going through this, I, I had to do a lot of, oh gosh, who is this person? I mean, there, this Colorado roster has, you have a lot of question mark. I mean, like start at quarterback, right? Like, you know, Lewis is back. A lot of people after the way Lewis played last season, have him penciled in to, to be the backup. Right. Um, and I, you know, that's fair, but I, you know, the, um, I think the, the the question that you have though is like in, a, in is that you know Shroud had the knee injury, he's a Tennessee transfer, but the question that you have with Shroud is is like he was barely ahead of Lewis uh, in camp last year. <laughs> it was not it was not like Shroud got injured and like oh no like the only possible starter we have it was like oh bummer like that competition was still ongoing <laughs> and that yeah. I mean like I mean Lewis was and I don't I mean I I almost feel like I am like speaking ill of the dead or something and that that's a harsh way to say it but like I, I don't know what's that, like so bad so so bad last season well the, like so th- this can go two different directions there is a world where JT Shroud is good and this team wins four games. There is a world where JT Shroud is the cast-off quarterback from Tennessee that happened to pick Colorado because it was his last pick of the schools that he wanted to go to and Colorado wins two games. <laughs> like I just Yeah. Like I mean I, I like because if you want to do glass half full it's like okay, let's let's say that Shroud you know, is significantly better than Lewis. That that is that makes this team at least interesting and competitive. Not that competitive, but competitive. Um, but you're putting a lot of 
you know, I mean, like he couldn't win the job at Tennessee when Tennessee was not good. And we've right. seen what's happened to a lot of the cast off quarterbacks at Tennessee, looking at you, Washington State. And you kind of you go like, man, if Colorado's bull case is don't worry, everyone, JT Shroud is going to be our quarterback this year. That's not necessarily a position I want to be in as a football fan. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's it's a lot. They're in a lot. I mean, Lewis was bad. They, you know, I feel like what was it like a couple of years ago too? I think I can't. We came out of the. I came out of watching color in a spring game, and I was like, yeah, the starter seems fine. Like I think it was Montez, but like if Montez gets hurt. I don't think any of these other guys are ever going to play a snap of college football, <laughs> you know, like, and that's, that's the way it feels for this Colorado QB room, right? Like, um, now you can say, you can talk yourself into shroud being, having more upside there, you know, coming in under the prior regime, you know, or maybe he didn't, but coming in when things felt like a little more on the upswing instead of like what happened last season. But to your point, right, like, I mean, Garantano played, he was terrible at Washington State um, and had transferred out of Tennessee looking for playing time. Uh, Shroud, same same story, really. And that's where I, I just, I'm not, look, Shroud, any, like, you, you feel like anything would be an improvement over Colorado's quarterback play the last two seasons. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you forget about how bad they were. In 2022 at QP. So look, Shroud could be an, and like we talk about this all the time, which is, um, you know, like some guys just turn it on when the lights come on, you know, like I, the Nick Foles effect, right? Like a guy that's just not winning the job in practice, but like, it's just much better in gameplay, you know, um, maybe Shroud's that guy, uh, but that's what you got to be hoping for. Um, cause Lewis is still compete. I mean, this job isn't like, I think a lot of people are just sort of like penciling in shroud ahead of Lewis because Lewis was unwatchable at times last season, but there's no guarantee that Lewis doesn't win the job. Yeah. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm pretty sure shroud's going to get it. Yeah. Like you kind of have to like, you know, you look at, it does, it does remind me of, um, of uh, Arizona last year where Plummer or two years ago where Will Plummer was the quarterback and they threw him in and you're like, that guy's not ready. He's just not. And in the next year, he wasn't the quarterback. It was um, Gunnar Cruz <laughs> who also was not ready. And I hope, I, pr- I hope and pray Colorado fans. That is not the scenario that Colorado gets into this year where you're like, Oh, thank God we're past the Brandon Lewis era. And then all of a sudden JG shroud is throwing balls at his like offensive coordinators head, <laughs> you know, like 10, 10 feet out of bounds. It, Cause there is a possibility where that happens. But I do, I do think that shroud will be the, the quarterback. I'm hoping that he's better. It's just, you know, you take a look up and down the roster and, you had Jarek Broussard, you know, leave. You you have, um, you have uh, Brendan Rice take off. Your offensive line, oh. okay. Like they fired their offensive line coach in the middle of the season last year. I mean, like this whole offense was a disaster. And I just, I mean, like if this offense gets above eighty, I will be shocked. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I mean, let's. I mean, if you want to see a really you want to see go look at Colorado's uh transfer portal page on 24/7 and that'll be a real depressing read because you see a bunch of guys like like Dimitri Stanley who goes to Iowa State 
um, you know, Rice that goes to USC, Broussard is going to Michigan State. You know, you've got like you, you know, Mickey Blackman's going to USC too. Like, I mean, they lost they lost their two corn. I mean, like Colorado basically. I mean, it's very frustrating. I, like, you remember that year where basically like they just th- like they threw a bunch of freshmen into the fire at cornerback and just took their lumps, but they started to get better. And those yeah. guys left. <laughs> you know, like they took their lumps and they couldn't keep them. Um, and they went to good programs. That's the right. Thing. That, that's the thing. Like, I mean, you get like Mark Perry, the safety, going to TCU. You know, like Christian Gonzalez goes to Oregon. Um, like for the most part, like a lot of these losses are guys stepping up to go play where they're going to have a better opportunity. And then you start looking at the guys that transferring in and you see so a lot of FCS players, you know, you see guys that weren't making the roster at Arizona, weren't making the roster like, like Josh Chandler not going to play on a pretty bad West Virginia defense. You know, like, I mean, the the guys that they're maybe the most excited about are a transfer from Sam Houston state at running back. <laughs> and I, I mean, and I, and I still think people maybe, you know, a little, like, I think Fontenot is, is fine too. Like if, you know, the, if, um, if they end up with Fontenot, they'll be fine. And then Sneed from Baylor who transferred out, but that's, that's about it. Like, that's really like the, the highlight of it um i mean and they they took some real losses it's, it's it's rough and then when you flip over to the defense i guess the one thing you know i i actually think the defensive line will be okay but everything else is just a total question mark like you mentioned they lost their really the safeties that they threw into the fire that, and you could actually see them like, Oh, okay. Like that, that's interesting. This is, this is an interesting unit. I could see them. If they grow with the program, they'll be really solid in two or three years. Well, they're, most of those players are gone. Um, they finally lose Nate Landman. I don't know who their linebackers are going to be. And if they're going to be able to play as a unit, like my, I mean, how, how successful do you think this defense is going to be given that and like, and then you compound it because you don't think the offense is going to be that good. So now your defense is on the field all of the time. I just, I could really see this being like a cyclone that just builds on itself and it just kind of is destructive all around. Yeah. I mean, look, we, I have Colorado projected to be the worst team in the Pac 12 next season. Um, and I, I know, I know people are like, wait, what about Arizona? Like Arizona's not far off, but they're projected a little bit better than Colorado. Um, and here's your problem. Like, here's what, you know, what Colorado was really good at last year was defending the pass. They were 41 and effective pass. That's why their corners went to Oregon and USC, right? They stunk stopping the run 92 and effective rush. Like what held up that defense at that number 68 overall rank was the was the pass was defending the pass and they i'm just not sold that they're going to be able to do it even as well as they did last season and look i mean the running game the running game undoubtedly suffered from having lewis as a pass i mean like they just there was no real credible threat to throw the football um and so you could absolutely stack it up chiaverini was not a good offensive coordinator at all good position coach for sure. Um, but not a good, not a good OC. They became highly predictable. 
you know, and, and you could argue it's not fair to judge Chiaverini off last season, but we're, we've judged him off other seasons as well. But I mean, like you're bringing in Mike Sanford, who is not a great offensive coordinator <laughs> and he's at his prior stops. He's got fired at Minnesota. And yeah, I mean, look, Mike Sanford is probably an improvement over Chiaverini as an OC. So like put that in your pocket. That's worth thinking about. Shroud's likely to improve your, like the offense should be better than where they were last year. But last year was horrible. They were at 107. Like, what are we talking about for this offense getting into the eighties? Because you look through and like, they really need, I mean, this is kind of one of those ones of like, you know, like years ago we were talking about Arizona can't be a program. Like we were talking with Hippoliday, I think like after a pod and like Arizona can't be a program where like the four stars don't hit, like they actually have to show up. Like Colorado needs RJ Sneed to show up, like needs <laughs> to show up and play, <laughs> you know? They need JT Shroud to work out. And I think they need those things to happen to just be a very bad power five offense. Like, I think they're going to need some guys to really step up and play just to be bad. Yeah, it it could be a real rough year for Colorado. And, you know, the Carl Durrell experiment, this would be year three. And that's usually the year it's you're kind of done if, you, if you're not turning it around. I mean, you have four on your contract, but if you don't see progress and, and it's a bummer, I, I'm sure Colorado has some financial issues, but it's just such a beautiful school with a really strong history of football and just a wonderful city. You know, you kind of go like, come on, man. Like, you know, if Utah can build a program, right. Coming from the, the mountain West, I mean, how how come Colorado can't coming from the Big 12 over to the Pac-12, you know, be competitive and have a consistently good program? It just shows you how important hiring is. And they just they really haven't hit it uh, since since they were here. I thought it was, you know, it was interesting for a while what, what they were what they were doing as the Jim Mack. Who was the Colorado coach? Oh, my gosh. Like he's totally escaped my mind now. Oh, Mike McIntyre. Yeah. Mike McIntyre had a couple good years, but just couldn't keep it going. Um this next hire that they make, and I really do think Darrell's going to be gone after this year. It's going to be really important for the long-term health of that program because it's been, you know, like once you start losing and losing and losing, it's it's really hard to pull out. Um, it, it's just hard to attract talent. Um, so I just I just really hope that they make the right decision and they they really think through who that coach is going to be because yes, they got hosed by Michigan state, but Michigan state was also like, here's like $5 million to go find a coach. And they found Carl Durrell and that's a bummer. And I know is the, the timing was really poor, but, um, but here we are, you know, you kind of deal, uh, you play with the hand that you're dealt. Right. Uh, anything, anything else on Colorado here? It's kind of a bummer, but like this team isn't going to be good next year. No, I mean, that's the, I think to your point, right. Is like the, how much time does Carl Durrell reasonably have? I mean, cause that's where, what I worry about with color <laughs> to your point is like, where's the money going to come from to really go after solving this problem? Right? Like, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it suddenly feels like, like, yeah, they ended up in a weird spot, but they compound I mean, like Carl Durrell. <laughs> I mean, that's where like with color, like the decision-making worries me. Um, you know, like, yeah, you ended up with the bad spot because of Michigan state, you know, like coming in and poaching your coach, there were still plenty of other options that had to have been available that would have been better than where we ended up. Um, and now you're going to find yourself 
in a position where, you know, like Carl Durrell's basically had like two and a half years, you know, and you sort of can't let it go on. But at the same time, like this is, feels like one of the ones that I just, I don't think you can leave the entire, like they have to have a new athletic director. Like they can't have the same person making the decision that made it last time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep a look at that. Um, you know, next week we'll have two more teams to be able to cover. We're starting to fill in these roster spots as we move into spring football season. Win totals are slowly leaking out, although not a lot in the pac 12 yet. So those should be coming up soon. We still have some transfer portal news. And then by that time, we're going to be like head on into full previews of these teams and fall camp. So stay tuned. Uh, Rob, anything you want to plug here? No, I keep an eye out for that Texas A&M preview, which I am going to try to get to this week. There it is. There it is. Watch Rob crap all over uh, Texas A&M. Oh, man, I'm going to get so much hate for this. This is going to be great. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.